Welcome to the Spire Director's Commentary Podcast, recorded by Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. Following a successful Kickstarter campaign, we agreed to record commentary for each chapter of the Spire RPG, a fantasy punk game about insurrection, oppression, and horror, and release it to our backers. We wanted to talk about the decisions that led us to design Spire the way we did and show our working as best as possible. What you are about to listen to is a podcast made up of those files, arranged into blocks an hour or so long. We encourage you to start from episode one and move forward from there. So at the end of the religion chapter, we were almost at the end of the book, really. Yeah. We've got we've got the games mastery section and then some other croft. Yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the games mastery section in great detail because it's already like we're just offering insight on our insight. Yeah, no, it's and about it's about how to play the game. Mm. Um, I think we've we've been discussing that a great deal already. Yeah, um, it is a very useful section though because it talks about things like tone. Yeah, and which also is like, very important to get right in Spire. And also because Spire can be quite a grim, unpleasant thing to happen, we've tried to put in a lot of a lot of means of you making sure everyone's having a good time. Yeah. Uh, so having having um, saying, oh, I don't want to tell a game about this, and giving and giving people capacity and license to use like basically safe words, yeah, is is important in a game. Uh, if if you want if you want to go at it hard, as it were, it's important to have a safe word in role playing and in other things. And you've got a lot of stuff in here about creating villains. Yes, which was that was an interesting one to write because I. I I tend to work in terms of factions rather than big villains. I, I I tend to not define my things before play, but I think in Spire it works really well. Yeah, and it's it's nice to have those those questions answered because mm. this that section literally puts forward questions for you to answer. Yeah. Um. So that you've got at least something to be working towards. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, or something, something to throw away. Yeah. But, but you've you, got something there. You've you've got that that end of the line. We've point. also got the um, so like uh, so that's, that's under the good villain chapter, and so you, you know you, you can stat out a good a a, a big villain. Yeah. Uh, my favorite point is there is um, what do they look like and what do they want to look like? Yes. Because I was really keen to establish villains as wanting things, but not like not I want absolute power. No, I want to be a bit taller. Yeah. I want to. I want to be a bit thinner. I want to wear nicer clothes. That sort of thing. I wanted to try and anchor them in understandable desires. And if you read any of the adventures we published, for this, <clears> you'll <throat> notice that the NPCs have a cut-down version of this. Yeah, that's that's the one at the end of the Good Villains. That's, yeah. that's, that's the henchman. The henchman, henchman one. Lieutenant the section one. Uh, um, we use that for our NPCs. Yeah, just to outline it so that you can see exactly what mm. they're getting at and what they want. And it was it was really interesting to do that because we. We'd come up with these characters and be like, okay, well, like this faction's present. We like we know this faction's here. We know that it's going to have problems with the ministry operating in this in this in this district. What's the person who's leading this faction? What's the face we're putting on this? And by like, why were they chosen? What sets them apart? Who or what do they desire? And who or what do they despise? And from that, it just like it's four really simple questions, but it let us just give them a lot more character. Yeah, rather than just being wahahaha villain. Yeah, and crucially, the more character you give to someone, the uh, the more subvertible they become. Yeah, it's, and also it's become a little bit of a problem in playtesting. Oh yeah. Um, in that because they're so much more characterful, 
my character, especially with my group, my players like them more. That's great. Which is which is interesting. Is like that people are going, but I like the villain. Well, well, like recruit him then. Exactly. Cut his face off. Put be his face in your face. Be the villain. Yeah. On the subject of villainy, um, we come to, we come to the end of the end of the chapter. Um, how evil are the elf fear in your game? And that they it differs in everyone's game. Yeah. Because like they can be comedy villains, and if you want to like, especially for, like for one shot things, if you want to have them, as every elf here is an absolute bastard. You can feel free to strangle an elf here in the bath, and you know that you'll be doing a good thing. Or maybe some of them are bad, and some of them are good, and maybe like the whole sort of in, like endurance thing is something which the elf here are actually trying to stop. Yeah, could be. Um, and like, <clears throat> you you can have different like different sliding things. I personally am not too interested in the idea of sympathetic Elphir. Um I like. I I think I think you should make them. You should, you should give them human desires uh, behind their inhuman uh, outer shell. Yeah. Because if you're going to strangle someone, you want to know what they're scared of. I I tend to make them infinitely sociable. Mm. So they're not necessarily nice, but they will talk to a drow. Super polite. Yeah, they're, but they're, yeah. they're super polite. They'll just they'll talk to one, mm. but they won't, you know, be in any way upset if a car hit them. Yeah, and and then on the flip side of that, how villainous are the ministry? Because we leave it fairly vague as to like as to whether what they're doing or not is whether 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 what they're doing is good or not, mm. as it were. But when like it's very rare, um, the fact that you're in the ministry comes out. In a game, and like occasionally, an NPC will be like wink and a nod. I understand this, that like you're working for someone else. Our our aims are allying, are allying. Let's work for the time. Let's work together for the time being. But it's pretty rare. Like I, I certainly haven't told stories about um, your mum finds out. Yeah, which is a very interesting thing to do in a game. What what does she do? Because the ministry ostensibly do bad things, and as far as all the propaganda goes, the ministry are dangerous lunatics. Yeah, a lot of drow would just sell you out quite happily. Yeah, and so like, that's that's something we've left up to the to the GM, I think. In that, and, and that, that's that's more in terms of tone. Like, we've got shadow fallout. Like, you can have, and we've got reputation fallout. Yeah. So we've certainly got mechanics which let you do that and let you represent that, so it doesn't feel like you're screwing over the players. But I think in terms of shadow, just being how well you're hiding your 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 goals in in the sort of fast burn campaigns that I've been running, that's generally the police get wind of what you're doing, the paladins get wind of what you're doing, uh, a rival church gets wind of what you're doing, as opposed to like shadow fallout in a longer game could be like um, your brother-in-law um, confronts you, yeah, and that's and that's a different story, and I think they're both valid. Very much so. The New Gods. The first of the appendices. Mmm, appendices. Mm, good word. The New Gods were fun to write, I'm, I'm not going to lie, they were great. Yeah. We like writing gods, we like writing rules, and people paid us a significant amount of money to do both. <laughs> Top notch, brilliant, love it. And they got some nice art out of it as well. Yeah, some gorgeous art. Um, we're not going to go through all of them because we would be repeating ourselves a lot. Um, but one of the interesting things about these gods is that they are the majority of them are human gods. Yeah, um, they are the they are new gods to spire. And, yeah, they turned up. And Drow are worshiping them now. Mm. They're they're kind of 
working their way into the mainstream. These are some of the things you might see on Pilgrim's Walk. Yeah. Um, people worshiping them randomly around the place. Um, and even some of them aren't gods. Yeah, one of them's uh, a um, conduit. Yeah, one of them's an Eidolon, essentially. Yeah, well, one of them is a house that a demon lives in. <laughs> um, but we've got things like, we've got uh, Luxilium, the Duke of Air, is one of my favourites, because we had to come up with, with rules for flight. Yep. And that was a challenge because, like, it, it's, it's something in, in, in your Dungeons and Dragons, in your games which have things like feet, yeah. um, that, that that's not too hard to do. But we just had to sort of have you can fly, yeah. and that was, and that was that was a, that was kind of a challenge. But I, I really like like we we had the idea that they have to they have to carry around these things called sky shrines, which are big, lumpy. Like some of them are wings, and some of them are jetpacks, and some of them are like helicopter things. And they shouldn't strictly work, but because of magic, they do. Yeah, and they are hugely unreliable. I think I think my favourite is a Pash, the Martyr of White Cross. Oh, why's that? Um, for a couple of reasons. One, I love the art. Mm-hmm. Um, I really find that wonderful. But also, it's an interesting way of getting humans into a revolution campaign. Yeah, that's true. Um, as it's a revolutionary god, it's about mm. standing up to people. Yeah. Um, and so, if you wanted then to have a human agitator. Who worshipped Apache? That would fit mm. really nicely with the ministry's ad- uh, ideals. You was in, in, in terms of, in terms of having a god of revolution. You would be entirely unsurprised at how many people wanted their god to be the god of secrets. Yes, that was a common request. <laughs> so we had, to, we had to sort of like um, like have different flavors of secrets. Yep. Yeah, like we've got uh, Mia, god of secrets, lost. Hmm. Um, and Carabas, who eats secrets, yeah. and the masked god who tells secrets. I, the Mask God, um, was a, was was a really fun one to write, and it contains my favorite power from all of these uh, favorite advance from these uh, new gods, which is little white lies. So you mark D three stress, and then uh, a minor lie you tell becomes the truth until the next dawn. Yeah, and it's it's like it's it, it it loops back into the thing where we wanted to write Spire to surprise the GM. Yes, but but being able to say I have a gun, and now you have a gun. Or you look nice, and now they look nice. Yeah, and, and that's it, and it does have the most powerful ability in the game in it. Oh, what the greatest um, lie! Once an only wants to tell a lie, it is no longer a lie. Yep. There's your you wish campaign, spell. please. <laughs> yeah, you get a wish spell. Yep. <laughs> Just kind of fun. I, uh, I I really like writing the mascot. Also, it was it was really fun to write these down and then send them off to the backers and like. Most every backer we had was like, "This is brilliant! You've done this. I had this idea, and you've taken it, and you've made it exist." Mm. And that was really, really fun, really satisfying to do that. Um, also, like we wanted to, we were we were really careful not to have them as um, add-on gods. We didn't yeah. want them to feel like that's the thing because they get like we weren't sure where to put them. They're, they're, they're all in their they're all in their own chapter because we weren't sure where to honestly because again Adrian Stone refuses to draw anything smaller than a single page. <laughs> we weren't sure where to put these in the book, and so like we could have divided them up and put them through the bit, but they would have they would have stuck out. I think put them all in one place it means you get all that nice art, like like really close to each other. That's gorgeous, but we wanted to we wanted to try and weave them into the setting. Yeah, in as much as. Like they're new and they've come in, but it's 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 not like they've always been here. If they've always been here, they're quiet. And things like uh, Garrick the Steel, but the, the other thing I should mention actually about the human gods is all human gods were people once. Yes, 
uh, we have that down is that every every human god inspire is 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 an ascended mortal, and that's simply because a load of Kickstarter backers asked to look like their gods. Yeah, and but the interesting thing is that's that's informed stuff we've done since this. Yeah, um, when we're looking at the humans and just going, well, all their gods are, asc- are ascended mortal. Yeah, so like becoming a god is a technical career path for a human. Yeah. <laughs> As long as long as you can work out what it needs, like they're all playing unknown armies, as it were. <laughs> Appendix two: random items and events inspire. Oh, we just did this. Over, we did this over an afternoon. I seem to remember. Like I think someone someone mentioned. Um, oh, it'd be nice if we had some random tables, and we just kept going. Yeah, and I sat down and wrote like three quarters of them, just yeah, because I wanted to. Like especially oh, yeah. like the plants one. Yeah. What is this plant? Your your mum's a witch. Yes, my mother's a witch. And so um, Chris understands things about plants, which I do not. (laughs) And some of them are are strange. Like there's one, um, what are they singing at church? I asked one of my Mm. playtesters who does choral singing, like, oh, what are your favourite choral songs? Like, quickly (laughs) write those down and then inspire them up. (laughs) Just just get inspired. Oh, clever. Nice. Um, like, I really like random tables. I really like having, uh, like, being surprised. I like rolling on about two or three at once. Mm. Just to have, um, just just so that I don't know what's going to happen. And then the players know that I don't know what's going to happen. And then we can all come together and play that story. Yeah. And that's really fun. Uh, I really like random magic item tables. I like wandering monster tables, if you can write them properly. And these are kind of that. We don't have wandering monsters. Um, I think every every fight you have in you have inspired should be should tell a story. Yeah, and one one of the big things for me with these. Hey. No. Oh, sorry. I'll 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 start again. No, that's fine. Yep. So uh, the the two um, ones I'm interested in discussing here is one is the Spire Black Sensations table, which has um, Pulp Fiction about Spire by people in Spire. And I think that was something which I wanted to talk about the fact that, or just sort of allude to the fact that the stuff in the book, the uh, the stuff in the occult section, the stuff like the the religion sections, that's not common knowledge. That's myths and legends to the people who live in the city. And so to be able to have that as something, something which they're playful about. She played dice with Charnel, like that's they're, they're making almost satirical things. They're making a sensationalist works well yeah in in Halfstone Horror you've got the mystery of the Viscount a terror from outside time the Viscount is a very real threat to Spire and they think it's a myth that's worth writing a book about yeah but for for me my absolute favourite one is what does the Elphir have in their pocket the first one because we describe everything else in Spire in broad strokes and larger scale writing and it reminds it keeps it grounded it's like this is something they just have in their pockets so it informs the setting um and it it's just so granular and so little that like like they've got very slowly melting ice cubes and that's because they don't like the heat that's because they have access to air frost i really like a list of drown names they're trying to remember that 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 instantly sets up. There's a character there, or around that. Yeah. Um, on on the to, to dehumanize the Elphir, 
what be- what beautification surgery has this Elphir undergone? Is the last one. Yeah. Um, which I adore. Um, I also like the idea that they that they give this beautification surgery to favoured servants. But we, I wanted every single one to just really squick. My favourite is subdermal everfrost, <laughs> leading to, leading steaming, to breath. steaming breath. Permanent weeping modification is mine. Not, lar- not larynx tuning. Well, I, I think that's actually a thing you can get. Oh, that's terrifying. I think, I think like, like you can modify your voice to make it um, lighter, or uh, sorry, a higher or lower, My. by having your um, larynx messed with, I believe. Wrist lengthening. <laughs> just... Yeah. Exactly. I, I think that was, lying, the, like, we, that, was, that was us trying to talk about the Elphir as, um, you know, monsters. Horrible, horrible monsters. Yeah. We've got the Drow Glossary. Just nightmares. As well, which um, has been sticking around for a while. Uh, there's very little in there which we don't use in the book. It was just to sort of piece it out and make it yeah. easier to understand so you could learn some of it. Yeah. And learn the origins of, of it so that you can get the the tone of the language so you can make up your own. Yeah, for sure. Um, but my favourite appendix is Appendix 4. My most hated appendix is <laughs> Appendix 4. So it was Goats of Spire, yeah, which I wanted to put in the in the um, in the low society section, and I wanted a word and added. You wanted rumored Goats of Spire, <laughs> and then you wanted it relegated to, to an appendix the, <laughs> to the joke section. Yep. I will say most of them are ridiculous. They <laughs> <laughs> really are. So a friend of mine. Um, said that uh, she wanted to be like she she didn't have enough money to back at the god level, but she wanted to be the god of goats. And I was like, huh, goats, that'd be fun. And so I just wrote down as many kinds of goats as I could think of, mm-hmm. and got to here. Which is your least favorite? Ah, uh, there's one with like a hexa tongue. That would be the hex tongue. Yeah. Now that one's pretty. That one's pretty normal, man. I I don't I, like. I thought I, I I thought you you would you wouldn't like the one the latchkey fiddler which picks locks with its horns. I think that's ridiculous, but I, I like the grossest one is the hexatongue for me. Oh, okay, there's the, there's there's the deep goats who have human hands. <laughs> deep goats. Yeah, Grant, deep goats. <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know. Supra vertical. You wouldn't let me not put. Take, <laughs> you wouldn't let me take it out. This was the one that you wouldn't let me yeah, take no, out. Yeah, you know book. what? You know what? I'm super happy it's here, I and mean, they're rumored goats. They don't. They don't have to be real. Yeah. I just thought it'd be nice to have a bit of levity in the book because there's a lot of grim, grim, grim. Yeah. And also, I didn't realise that Blades in the Dark had goats as well. <laughs> this was written before I became aware of that. Yes, it is. And John Harper can take this appendix out of my cold dead hand. <laughs> <laughs> one of them just screams at parties. Yeah, one of them just <laughs> screams at parties, Grant. Lower in the tone. That's a single page. <laughs> um, Appendix five is now narcologies, um, which is hinting at what the, what the human lands are like. Yep. We we kind of got the idea that they're they're sort of built around these um, buried arcologies. Um, arcology, I think it actually meant like does it mean like like self sustaining city as well as hidden ancient city? It primarily means a city that that can feed and. And uh, sustain itself in a in a vacuum, essentially. Yeah. Which which they are, but also they're you know ancient from the from the Procatacos. Yeah. Um, and we again named them all after places in Cornwall. 
of course. And stuck weirdness in them. Magwan Porth, Templehead, Damned Salt Ash. It's not <laughs> called Damned Salt Ash in Cornwall. It's just Salt Ash. <laughs> it's really bad there. They don't even have a Tesco. It's just, it's just the worst. <laughs> it, it was fun to, to, to just to sort of sketch out what the human lands might be like. Uh, yeah. the And the Blessed Isle of Whitecross, the um, once a sacred site to many humans, is where they discovered gunpowder, and now they've mined it out, and it's a nightmare full of yeah. monsters. Um, that's largely it for the book, Chris. We've got, yeah. we've got a list of antagonists. Yep, which is just a random table to help you work out an say, antagonist if you need to. I will say, this is how we've written all of our campaigns. Thanks for giving it away, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> you pick a district... And then you roll on this table. Yep, that is um, how literally how we've written all that, of them. And like, and like generally, generally, we, like we roll until we're. Yes, we don't just go with the first one. We roll until there's an interesting combination, combination, and then go from there rather than make that happen. Um, what else have we got? We've got suggested media. Yeah. Um, musically, like what? What music? Because I, I, you didn't really put forward much music for Spire. Most of most of my music for Spire is very very sad folk music. Yes, uh, even sadder than the folk music I normally listen to. I've gone for more, like some drone, yeah, light menace. Born under club of gore, primarily. <laughs> That's heavy drone, low menace. Yeah. Well, it's menacing and sort of waking up tied to a chair, menace rather than being rather than being chased through a building, menace. Mm, yeah. If, if if you listen to if 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 you if you pick up one thing off our suggested media, oh, I forgot we put Blackadder in there. Of course, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend you listen to Boren and the Club of Gore, in that it is unlike any music I've ever heard in my life. And it is absolutely perfect. It, it, I'm, I'm going to try and recreate it now. Okay. But for like twelve minutes a song, and it's better than that. Yeah, it, like they use instruments. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't particularly like that style of music, and I really enjoy that album. Yeah, it's it's very good music for um, like so little happens in it. It's never going to seem um, incongruous mm. in a scene, as it were. And then our thanks page, and that's us. So listen, thank you, listener, for listening all the way through. Yeah, for getting all the way through. skipping to the end. I doubt they'd skip to the end if they didn't enjoy the first bit. <laughs> yeah, I just I see them cheating. Yeah. it's It's been a fascinating and strange process writing Spire. For sure. How, 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 how have you found it, Chris? Talk to me about it. About the, about the process of doing the thing. I think for me it's, it's been interesting to try and make a coherent world... Mm. That wasn't a history textbook. Steady on the coherent bit, though, mate. No, but it, it is coherent. It's, it's got its own internal logic. That's true. Yeah, um, it, it is coherent within itself. Yeah. Um, and it's not a history textbook. We do not delineate the past three hundred years of history. No. We don't feel that's important. We tell you what's happened because it's important. If it's important, mm-hmm. and we bind that into what's happening right now. Right now, has something happening? Let's go. Come on, keep mm-hmm. going. Yeah, and that's that's been a real challenge. Yeah, there's there's always the there's always the desire to just sit down and write what happened and sit down and write who did what. It's like, it doesn't matter who did what unless they're still doing it. Mm. For me, it's been a 
a real challenge in terms of my in terms of bravery I think in putting forward my ideas in saying no I, I'm excited about this I'm me for it and that's that's been very strange to do um, I've been I've been doing my best to try and st- like stay at arm's length from treating my work seriously for, well, for you know for the first five <laughs> yeah. or so years of my career and now I think I'm starting to grow up a little bit and understand that I'm allowed to take this seriously and I'm really proud of what we produced I think I think I think we've produced something really beautiful here and quite like. I think it's telling stories which the, which games are which are very yeah. rare oh, yeah, in role playing games. Uh, stories of revolution. The protest in London. I felt really disheartened with the whole thing. I felt really ground down. It's just that everything. I started to believe that the, that that maybe people weren't intrinsically good. Maybe there is a like like in 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 the in the culture that I lived in having having the opportunity to just play. At being able to 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 affect things and to fix a problem, to fix a problem, and like and like and like to, like to be able to push a guy off the side of a of, of a several mile high tall building and have that <laughs> fix a problem and have that be satisfying and and legal. Yeah, yes, way so it's it. very cathartic. And uh, I think that we've hopefully we've given people an avenue to do that. If you um. We're interested to hear what you say, what, what what you think about Spire, and more importantly, what your games do. What sort of uh, what sort of yeah. characters, what sort of stories you tell? Uh, we have a we've got a Spire Discord. Which, if you're listening to this, my God, I'm sure you're on the Discord. Um, but you know, odds are, but if not, ping us a ping us a message, and we'll, and we'll sort you out with a, with an invite. But also, uh, we're on Reddit, uh, Reddit forward slash Spire RPG. And if you want to talk about stuff there, then hopefully um, by the time we release the book, which we still have, which we've not done yet, the time of recording, um, there should be a bit more of bit more bit more chat on there. And if there's not chat on there, <laughs> please, we're lonely. Um, as far as anything else goes, watch this space. There'll be more spy. Um, there will the, be. 100%. If, if, if you're interested in reading more spy, if you're interested in in learning more about it, then. Play it, talk about it, tell your friends about it. The more we sell, the more in, the more um, notoriety and momentum that this gains, the more um, financially viable it becomes to write and release more outside of a Kickstarter model. And yes, please, yeah, tell everyone. That was the end of the book, and also the end of the director's commentary. However, we had four interviews with people who worked on the book with us, Adrian Stone, Mary Hamilton, Chad Walker, and Tim Wilkinson-Lewis, and we decided to put these into the podcast too. So, first up, Adrian Stone. We have brought you on to this um, director's commentary to talk about your art in some way. So, um, why don't you you tell us a little bit about yourself, Adrian? Uh, um, you can lie. <laughs> we can lie. Oh, um, uh, just perpetually frustrated um, artist. I think <laughs> frustrated by every, every element of it equally frustrates and fascinates me. Brilliant. Okay. Um, what what what's the most frustrating thing about art? Do you think? Um, not being Mike Mignola is um, yeah. up there. That must be yeah, a perpetual I'll, I'll be problem. I've drawn yeah. like three things and I struggle with that too because I really wish I was. Wouldn't that be great? It's just, uh, it's just 
the, the amazing the the amazing thing I always think about it, it with my artwork is it never comes out how I planned it. It's like something okay. something intangible happens in that kind of process between getting it from your imagination to a finished piece. It's never how you imagined it. I don't know if that's the same with any kind of creative process with writing or I don't know no, building houses or anything. That's, I think I think in, in terms of writing, uh, Chris and I um, barely had any idea what Spire was at the start, and we're still not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah, we just keep doing um, it until it feels right. Uh, we we rewrote it seventeen times, I think, throughout the course of the of, of production, which was a, which is a terrible idea. We should have done it about five times, but um, we chose seventeen. But I, I think certainly, like, uh, and also because you work quite quickly, don't you? I do, yeah. But it's it, the the actual process is quite quick. Getting the getting the sort of the right feel maybe takes a bit of, a bit of time. Sort of in yeah. it's sort of maybe a kind of maybe like an athlete trainer for a sort of sprint. The the, the actual process is quite quick, but getting yeah. to that point maybe takes a bit of time. Yeah, for sure, that makes sense. And, and based, also, like, based on the Usain Bolt of um, graphic art, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's Mike Mignola again. Oh yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> but I mean, when we give you, hey, we get Mike on the show. When we give you changes, like sometimes they'll be done that day. Mm. So it's well, I think it's incredibly it's, fast. The changes aren't the, the changes aren't huge, and if you're working in Photoshop and you're you sort of you're very diligent with your Photoshop skills and everything's clearly labelled and all the layers are kind of there. It doesn't really take much time to make those changes if they're sort of not wholesale changes. So, Giving away my trade secrets here. <laughs> is, it, is it Photoshop that you use all the time or is there other programs you use? Um, Photoshop mainly. I mean, if it's coming down to logos and things, you probably use more of a vector-based program like Illustrator, but... Photoshop is so it's so multifunctional. It's it's yeah. you can do anything with it really, and there's a there's a million ways of getting to the the same kind of outcome. Right. So it suits any kind of artist, I think. I mean, there's lots of lot of us sort of artist friends and colleagues use a lot of different things, but they've all they all come back to Photoshop, or they all started on Photoshop, or they all tidy up with Photoshop. It's always there. You know? it's, it's very much the pen. <laughs> yeah, of, of computer programs. I, saw, well, yeah, I suppose yeah. the pencil. Yeah, okay. yeah. If the pen kept getting arbit- sort of sort of a, a six month arbitrary updates to the pen, which made it made it slightly different to use every time. <laughs> yeah, it would be like the pen. <laughs> if you t- if you took the cap of a pen and then it expanded yeah. like 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 those fingers in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, into well, like twelve to... different pens. Yeah, let's 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 try and put the nib on the side. <laughs> yeah, that would be more intuitive. But yeah, Photoshop for, for sure. I mean, maybe kind of ten percent sort of a pen on pencil on paper, just maybe to work some stuff out, and then yeah. the rest of it's just Photoshop. But like I said, it, it just makes everything not easier, but a lot sort of quicker and a lot cleaner, less mess. So looking at the looking at the uh, the what's the word the swath swathe swathe bucket of illustrations you have produced for Spire. Um, there seems to be there seems to be some themes going across the work. There's definitely a theme of of uh, of, of angular um, uh, looks, quite quite sharp, um, quite abstract decisions. Can you talk a little bit about how you tried to reflect the setting which we communicated to you through your work? Um, well, you gave the the sort of Pinterest pages you gave me in terms mm. of the architecture. Most of that was 
pretty angular. It's all kind of mm. sort of brutalist um, architecture. So there's a lot of sort of chunks of building just stuck in the, mm. in the middle of nowhere and kind of all the kind of angles are quite sharp. There's a few of them that were quite, I sort of struggled to get my head around. There was a, a couple of the silos that had been really amazing, sort of carved out in a strange way. So it almost looked like, like a hive or, because you, you wanted some hive elements in there, didn't you? That was quite difficult to yeah. accomplish. But mm. I think maybe the angles are just what I'm drawn to. It's the mm. same, like I said, with a lot of the artists that I like, um, say, Modigliani is one of my sort of favourite sort of classical artists, and that's mm. he's a lot to do with sort of angularity. Mm. We're not necessarily. It's not necessarily abstract, but it's certainly more expressive to. Yes, of... certainly. Yes, sorry, abstract was the wrong word. I, I suppose I think I think I'm using it in terms of like um, role playing game design, where you'd abstract out fine details into something more yeah. fluid. Uh, but yes, yeah, certainly. Um, in, um... What was the word you used? Impression? What was the word? I can't remember now. Yeah, okay, less, great. Less, well done, everyone. It's, less, it's more less impression, less impressionism, more expressionism. If that expressionism, sense. yes, that's the one. So, um, if if you're looking at sort of sort of German expressionist films like the Cabinet mm. of Dr. Caligari, the, all the backgrounds in there, there's no there's no sort of curved curved lines in any of the buildings or any of the sort of the backdrops. They're all kind of these horribly sort of Clashing angles I always like the look of, and if you if you if you kind of drill the human face or a sort of human human yeah. face out of angles, it's immediately puts you on edge. It's immediately otherworldly. It's immediately threatening or kind of mysterious. Or yeah. I mean, there's no there's no comfort in angles, is there? It's all knives and dark corners. <laughs> yeah, I think that's Chris. one of the nice things that you managed to get across that kind of unfamiliarity and. Mm. The, as you say, the threatening nature of all, of a lot of the things, because um, in many cases we just said uh, there's a guy on a rooftop, on a rooftop, um, Good for it. flags around, and you somehow come out with this wonderfully <laughs> threatening picture. <laughs> I think the, um, the the thing which most impressed me because um, Adrian worked on Unbound for us as well, and we'd like we'd say to Adrian, oh, can you can you maybe do this for us? And he'd go away and not do what we asked him but do a much better thing which somehow illustrated our idea better and so we were really excited to work with him on Spire because like, we, we figured we could give him the briefest possible instructions and even if he ignored them he'd get it right <laughs> well that's very that's very kind of you but that's, that's the kind of I think that's more your your kind of letting me have a bit more of a free free reign with it I mean yeah I, I suppose so you're hiring someone an artist or a sort of creative type to create for you in, in, mm. certain, in certain aspects because otherwise you'd I mean I've worked with clients where you, they just micromanage every element of it until mm. you're not doing anything creative in there other than kind of slavishly mm. visually representing their vision and I think in terms of you want something to be exciting and sort of generate that kind of emotion it needs to be a bit more collaborative you've you've yeah. obviously the creative guys in terms of the the world build and then you need to, you need to give your your sort of visual creatives license to kind of create their their side of it if it makes sense and then that it makes it more interesting that, that way i feel yeah uh, for sure we um we've been chatting about this on, on the on the um 
commentary in that so because chris and i are collaborating on this um as as a partnership there's no one canonical view of spire and yeah. so your your view of spire comes and adds, adds a different layer to the canon and tim's map adds a different layer to the canon and so let's say for example your spire has flying drones in it and we didn't like, we didn't think about flying drones we didn't think that they'd be a thing but they are in there now according to you and that really that sort of that makes the city uncertain and unclear, and I quite like that that it's it's reached yeah. by agreement. Well, I think that's probably yeah. That's I mean, I just just kind of when you, you there's certain kind of not necessarily tropes, but mm. kind of bookmarks from science fiction and things that you kind of always go back to or you lean towards or you're attracted to. And for me, it's kind of that it's the sort of Blade Runner uh, metropolis mm. kind of. Or sort of authoritarian, totalitarian element of sci-fi that I'm quite attracted to, and there are elements of that obviously in, in the Spire. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, it's good that it's able you're able to kind of take on board other people's ideas, and I, I'm assuming that's what you kind of encourage your, the, the players of the game to do is to add their own sort of individual elements. To 100%, it. Hundred percent, oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, the the advancement mechanic in Spire is to change the city in some way. Yeah. So it isn't it isn't the start at the end of a campaign as as it is when you open the book. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's 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 a kind of the because we worked together on um, Unbound. That's the mm. sort of thing you 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 kind of gave me license to do yeah. a lot of my own kind of ideas, and it's good that it's, you've taken those. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have been offended if you were like, no, take that drone out. That's not what we're looking for. That's, no, it's totally yeah. But it's 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 like, it's it's a, it's a sort of thing like where if I if I heard from uh from someone who'd run a campaign that they that they'd found this weird hovering drone and I'd, I'd be like oh wow what a great idea like someone someone on our Discord was chatting about putting um in the yeah. rivers down by the North Docks they filled the in their campaign they filled it full of giant carp that the drow ride <laughs> and like yeah sure why Go not giant carp sounds good and like it's it's like I Chris and I have all we've we've very much come from the games mastery school of saying yes and working out working out why rather than yeah. saying no and not letting anything forward yeah it was it's that kind of um. It's like a melting pot of ideas. It's probably yeah. why, it's why sort of American TV is a lot better than British TV because they have a whole room of writers throwing ideas in rather than one man sort of slowly going mad by himself or one boy <laughs> going mad by themselves for six months. You know, yeah, not not creativity by by committee because that's the worst, but more of a kind of a big kind of team. It's, of a, it's a, what's the word? It's a um, it's a jam, a jam session. Yeah, exactly. we're all coming together and, and and doing the things we're good at and making making something out of it. Yeah, and you yeah. you mentioned earlier you were talking about Blade Runner. What other sort of inspiration did you draw from for Spire? Uh, well, obviously the the I know that Grant's in, into his sort of a gothic high fashion, so there was a lot of that, <laughs> there was a lot of that um, on the, the the Pinterest and the sort of reference material you sent to me. So there's a lot of that was a good starting point. I mean, I'm not sure if I captured a lot of it to that same Everyone standard or same fantastic. style. <laughs> like, like I, th- I think I want to have a drink with almost every character you've drawn, even the monsters. So you think you've done fairly well on that front? <laughs> um, a lot of them. Just trying to get. Um, I mean, the way you sort of set out the these sort of gods and archetypes and things. It, to me, it did feel quite um, tarot card esque. So I tried yeah. to get some. I mean, especially with the. The kind of living hive. I wanted to go for a sort of Catholic iconography, mm. sort of um, tarot card kind of thing. And I wanted to try and get that in, in some of the, the other elements. Mm. I mean, maybe not so obvious as 
as that, but there were, um, I can't try and think now. I mean, yeah, I think probably tarot cards and that kind of, it's difficult to explain, but yeah, tarot cards, definitely Catholic yeah. iconography. Yeah. Some of sort of like, fa- I mean, fashion, definitely for sure. Mm. Yeah, I put a lot of pictures of Rihanna and Beyonce. Up <laughs> there were quite a few. Both, both fashion icons. Yeah, the the, the whole kind of um, sort of illuminated halos was really sort of prevalent in the in the uh, in the Pinterest stuff you sent, ah. which is which is quite nice. To be honest with you, I'd not noticed that. Did you notice <laughs> that, Chris? I didn't know. <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of headdresses that kind of yeah, had yeah. that halo element, that sort of uh, that kind of you know you you see sort of. Uh, Catholic depictions of um, Madonna and child, and there's always like this sort of glowing halo behind their heads. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I thought I, I can I, I can see now looking at the art that's in about half the drawings. Yeah. <laughs> see that happening. Yeah. It's so it's, it's it's been lovely working with you again, and it's 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 been it's been fantastic to like to ha- to have someone realise our our vision and just make it work, and honestly, just shift so many copies, Adrian. Just do so well on Kickstarter. Um, well, it's, it's it's good that you get to work with people where they where they say go, go come up see what what can you come up with do what you want to yeah. do basically and then you come back and say yeah that's brilliant because there's so many times you get clients or you work with people who say yeah just do what you want and then you come back and they're like yeah anything yeah, but not that do what I want. Yeah. Well, that's, we want you to do anything you want, but not that specifically. So. That's something yeah. we we're very keen to capture, like because we've worked with you before. We were very yeah. very specific when we were doing the briefs of no more than a paragraph yeah let we just just say what needs to be in the picture and then then adrian can just do yeah. art magic at it and i think like like the the, the way in which we talk the, the, the way in which we deal with our freelancers and the way in which we deal with people who are writing on spire or creating art for, for, for anything we've done is that <clears> we'll get in touch with them and say can you create something which makes you excited and then send yeah. it over, and we'll try and change it as little as possible. Like if you put something hugely problematic in there, then we'll then we'll have a word with you. But generally, that means you get better work. People are enthused about, it and they deliver it on time, which is really yeah. nice. <laughs> and and like and it, it it means it means that you get like you don't quite have the same um, sort of authoritative vision that you might have from a book which which had much which had a much more strictly controlled team. But honestly, I think you're gonna we're gonna end up with something more interesting and more vibrant. And if it's slightly contradictory, that puts you in the right headspace to start playing the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what uh, that's the vibe I always got from all kind of role playing games when I was a mm. kid, even the sort of the the classic ones. I mean, there was a, it was always meant to be a, a sort of jumping off point to to whatever you wanted to come up with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the same with with the, I think with all the kind of the great sort of sci-fi and fantasy that I've, I've read as a kid or. So it was part of the the artist or the writers or whatever. Always, their main job was to kind of inspire the next sort of generation or kind yeah. of inspire imaginations in other people, which I think is really important mm. when it comes to this kind of genre of art and this kind of there's a game. there's a there's, there's one school of thought where it's like like a role playing game is only as good as it is playable with a group. And yeah. there's another there's another school of thought which is like well actually the physical book which exists is a nice thing the inspiration they can give is a nice thing so if there's nice art if there's nice concepts if there's an interesting world you can explore there's a great deal which you can get out of it without ever playing the game and I think like what I mean I mean you know whether or not you want to back me up on this one Chris I think that's something which we went for with Spire yeah yeah oh, for sure yeah 
it's uh, it's designed to it's designed to be a fun read and a nice look and something which you can get excited about and and imagine what you'll do rather than us telling the story of what happened 600 years ago because no one gives a shit about what happened 600 years ago. Wait, I mean, I'm sure it's the same with say like car enthusiasts. I mean, they love the cars, <laughs> but I'm sure they love to sort of modify them just as much. And I think that's probably the same with like a lot of like game players, a lot of board game players yeah. or role players and that kind of thing. They they, they kind of they want to get under the bonnet of the game, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, it, it makes sense as well, because unlike a computer game, all the rules are explained and they're for you to see, so it's much easier yeah. to start hacking and modifying it. I think that's yeah, going to do it for us, guys. Uh, Chris, do you have any more questions? No, I think that's perfect. All right, well, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Adrian. Uh, thank you no, for no. all the drawings. <laughs> and, <laughs> lovely pictures. Uh, oh, lovely pictures, what you did for us. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Listener, goodbye. Adrian, goodbye. See ya. Bye. The Spire Director's Commentary Podcast is a companion to the Spire RPG and features Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. The music is by Arokia, hosted on freesound.org and used under the Creative Commons license. To learn more about Spire, explore related products, or buy your own copy, go to rowanrookanddeckard.com. <laughs>